All right, we're back, and we're bringing you the experts. Uh, Money Talk is standing like a colossus with one foot in uh, Hong Kong with Hao Hong, Chief Economist, Grow Investment Group, HK. Good morning, Hao Hong. Good morning to you. Good morning. The other foot of this colossus is standing in Washington, D.C., where Barry Wood, RTHK's international economics correspondent, is live. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Hao. Hey, good morning. All right, gentlemen, uh, the IMF is uh, bumming us out. They're killing our buzz. What's going on? I mean, they, they, uh, they originally had a growth, a global growth uh, view of 3%, and now they're concerned about the banking sector. Um, I mean, Barry, do you want to kick off and let us know what, what's going sure. on out there? Well, I've enjoyed listening to Mr. Gorin Cha. I think he's a very impressive economist, French, but he's been teaching at uh, University of California at Berkeley. But uh, I take a somewhat different uh, view than some of the commentators, and I sat through his various press conferences. I think he's rather optimistic. I think that uh, this modest downgrade, 2.8% in the global economy, uh, he's very bullish on China. Mm -hmm. He's not pessimistic about the United States. He's certainly supportive of central banks tightening. Uh, He doesn't see that the tightening is going to cause any kind of recession, although he says it's a risk. So I thought it was um, a pretty impressive performance. How maybe you see it somewhat differently? Um, Yeah, I wouldn't uh, pay too much attention to what IMF has to say. I mean, they haven't been correct for a long time now. (laughs) So, you know, even though there's a a small downward revision to the previous forecast, uh, I would just say that, you know, China holds the key to global recovery. And right now, I think China is trying to bounce back. Uh, initial data is suggesting that, you know, there's a nation uh, recovery that is going on in China. It, it seems like the recovery, let's, let's, so pivoting to China, I mean, the, it seems like the recovery is maybe a little bit slower than people expected. I mean, uh, I guess if you're fighting high inflation, hearing inflation in China is only 0.7% is good, but it also suggests that maybe the Chinese consumer hasn't come back as fast as people thought they could. Aviation is still down 20% domestically from pre-COVID, down, I think, 70% international flights. I mean, is China, is China, is, is it because there's still potential in the Chinese market because it's slow to pick up? Yeah, well, inflation data tends to be a lagging indicator, right? So what you're seeing right now, uh, lower inflation is a reflection of what happened three to six months ago, right? So if you still remember the last quarter of last year, uh, it was really bad uh, for the Chinese economy because of the lockdown. Uh, so if you look at the latest uh, lending data, it's actually suggesting that you know, something is really going on. Uh, the household is starting to borrow again. And I think um, uh, the mid to long term uh, borrowing for Chinese households is actually at all time high uh, for, for the month of March. Uh, so I would say that, you know, lending figures tend to be a leading indicator and it's suggesting that, you know, household is boring again and that coincides with a sort of a, a small recovery in the property sector in the first three months of the year. So I would say that, you know, even though uh, evidence is still tentative, uh, but there is a recovery somewhere in the Chinese economy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so if this recovery is coming, I mean, people have been planning, uh, hoping that domestic spending was going to be the driver for the Chinese economy. Are, are people still worried about, you know, the impact of export markets on, on China's economy? Are people, I mean, that used to be the big driver. Now everyone's all, all interested in domestic yeah. impact. Yeah, I think export is going to be continue to slow down because of the external demand from uh, U.S. and Europe uh, is slowing down. 
right? So, you know, the, the U.S. lending condition is tightening. Uh, that is going to depress uh, U.S. demand for Chinese goods. And therefore, you know, one should be counting on, counting on uh, export growth to drive Chinese growth this year. Yep. And uh, Barry, are, are Americans going to be buying more or less of stuff from China? Well, you know, the price of uh, credit has, has increased. So the extent to which people borrow to buy goods, uh, that's going to be a problem. But um, I think that uh, we're, we're joined at the hip. I don't see any real slowdown. I think the more pressing problem is uh, the conditions at the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach. It's slow there, and that's where a lot of the Asian trade comes in. But, uh, you know, look, how sees things from a very Hong Kong and mainland perspective here in Washington? The IMF, and I know how doesn't think much of their forecast, but they see a rapid Chinese recovery, and they see very sharp growth in a rebound that uh, they think is going to be sustained over the course of the next 12 months. Yeah, but I mean, so the IMF's gone for what, 5.2, 5.3% yeah. from the Chinese economy? Which, Isn't which that is, good? Which I mean, is, that's a very good number. I mean, I guess it's good from North American perspective, but I mean, it's it's in line with what the Chinese government is, is planning for this year, because it is a planned economy. Uh, but it is, you know, we kind of got used to that 7.7, 7.8 for a long time. <laughs> yes, of I, course. I mean, and I mean, how Hong, the concern was that if, you know, China wasn't firing at a 7.5, 7.6, that that was a problem. There was not going to be enough uh, meaningful, well-paying jobs for young Chinese people coming out of universities. Uh, I mean, is 5% where China wants to sit for the next five-year plan? Or, you know, are they going to try to, are they going to continue to, Relax some of their impositions on the business community. Try to juice it up a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I would say that if if M two is going at you know twelve thirteen percent, uh, you know we're only yeah. getting a GDP figure that is five percent. It's very low, uh, and also the IMF uh, forecast of five point three percent is actually in line with the low end of the market consensus for this year, and also in line with the government target of five percent. Uh, so I wouldn't say that they are exceedingly exuberant about you know the Chinese growth this year. And also, just now I mentioned that you know there is some signs of recovery in the Chinese property sector. But I think going into the second half of March and also uh, first two weeks of April, uh, sales is actually down on seasonally. Right. So you know if such trend continues, uh, it would you know arouse some questions about you know the sustainability of of the recovery in the, in the Chinese property market and therefore, you know, the overall Chinese economy. So it, it really remains to be seen. That is why I'm, I'm sort of cautiously optimistic. But at the same time, you know, one really has to watch out what the Chinese property sector uh, does this year uh, for, for us. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so we're looking at that Chinese property sector. One of the other things we've talked about a lot in the show is uh, the potential for bombs in the municipal bond market. Bond, bombs in bonds. Uh, I mean, is, have you, have you, uh, are, you, are you a little more relaxed about that now, or are you still very much on the lookout for that? Um, yes, that has been a problem for years, right? So the chronic problem in the Chinese financial sector. I think the uh, mini-bonds is now uh, 70, I think 70 trillion plus, uh in total value. And I think because of uh, three years of pandemic, uh, local government has been spending money fighting the disease. And also, you know, there's a very little uh, uh, length of proceed uh, to replenish the coffers. Uh, so as a result, you know, they are really, really stressed for cash. Uh, so it is a, a real sort of peril for this year. Uh, but I think the central government can sort of stand behind the local government and also do some transfer payments 
sort of uh, wiggle to uh, this man. So I'm not entirely worried about the moving on, you know, because the central government, you know, can lend some hands to, to help them out. Right. I mean, the other thing about China uh, is that it imports oil. It's been getting a deal from the Russians. And we're seeing news now that Russian oil production is finally being impacted and that it's it's dropped by 20 percent over the last couple of quarters. Uh, and China is supposed to be buying that cheap oil along with India. I mean, uh, are, are either of you watching what's happening in the oil sector? And, and is, is the Russian bear finally going to stumble on this front? Well, the Chinese is buying it at, you know, $80 per barrel. Right, so while the Russian is selling it to India for thirty-five US dollars per barrel, right? So oh, I come on, China. China it's getting a really bad deal, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so you know, having said that, you know, uh, Russian problem uh, has been going on, you know, since uh, since the war. Uh, so you know, even though uh, the production uh, is lower now, but also you know, the Saudi, uh, the Middle East production is going to be lower as well. You know, as a part of the OPEC deal. So I think as a result, it, it, it can be supported to oil price. And also, you know, if you look at the oil price we're doing uh, in, in the recent weeks, it's actually finding some footing and trying to, to get a rebound. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the energy uh, trade uh, is finished. Uh, last year, energy uh, actually did okay. And I think this year it's going to be better than last year. Yeah. Uh, Barry, how are you seeing uh, oil prices in the energy sector in the U.S.? I know, I know energy stocks have been hot for the last little while. Uh, a little bit of a uh, retreat to uh, cyclicals, you know, given everybody's waiting for some data to come out. But uh, yes, where that's true. Going? Yeah. But I think the uh, to stay with Russia for just a moment on, on energy. Look, sanctions have been in effect now for over one year. And uh, how that's a, a remarkable gap between what the Indians are paying, what the Chinese are paying. But nonetheless, I think the oil exporting countries are very concerned that the price doesn't collapse. And that's why they're cutting back on production. I mean, we have an oil price now at about $80. I think that uh, for Russia, it has not been nearly as bad, Andrew, as they expected it to be. And I think that uh, the talks between President Xi and Putin, there's going to be a new pipeline that is constructed, I think, that will go from Russia through Kazakhstan and then into China. That's a longer term project, of course, very expensive. But I don't uh, think that the um, Russian energy industry is crippled. And I think that if there's some solution to the war in Ukraine over the next few months, that would be good news for them. But uh, they've done better than expected. Mm, and they're not, they're not going to be hit uh, you know, by restrictions on importing machinery or production materials. Uh, oh, absolutely they're hit. Yeah. They're hit hard. I mean, look, all of the uh, oil... Uh, production equipment comes from the West. And uh, so that's on hold. So when I speak about a pipeline, a new pipeline coming from Russia towards China, that's a longer term thing. And it, it assumes that the sanctions will be lifted by then. But you're right, Andrew, this is this is a problem for Russia. Mm. Um, one other thing I want to get to, I know, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about the fact that we are going to get inflation numbers out tomorrow, which, of course, are going to have a, an impact on the thinking of the Fed. Uh, do either I'm hearing a lot of different opinions out there. I want to hear what you guys think about the potential for what we're, what we're going to hear tomorrow in the inflation numbers. Well, I'll take a shot at that. Sure. Look, I think it's going to come down to six percent. I think that the uh, trend on inflation has been uh, exceedingly positive. I think the people at the Federal Reserve are pleased with the progress that's been made. You don't have a wage price spiral. 
Now, the, the, the cost of this, of course, is higher interest rates and a slowing economy. But inflation has come down from 9% to 8% to 7%. And I think when the number we're going to see in the next 24 hours is likely to suggest it's going to come down to 6 That's for the USA. How Hong, what do, you, what do you think of those numbers and how are they going to impact on markets, uh, which, you know, we'll, we'll get the first reaction to it over here. Yeah. Well, I think inflation is trending down. And, you know, as a result, uh, people are expecting uh, the Fed is going to be, you know, hiking, one, maybe one more hike or closing uh, very soon. Uh, so I think as a result, you know, recently the, the U.S. stock has been rather resilient in, in face of really bad news. Uh, so you know, I would say that, you know, the market is on hold for now, uh, you know, waiting for the numbers to come out. Uh, but I would say that even at 6%, it's way too high, you know, for a target of 2 to 3%. All right, so I think that that has a lot of work to do. Yeah, and do you think there's a little bit of a like a little bit of a false leader in there? Uh, because I mean, this is core price. You know, at the core of this this uh, CPI measure is is goods, hard goods, uh, things that you can buy and put your hands on. But my understanding is that Americans, in particular, are spending more on services, travel, experiences, uh, things like that that maybe aren't captured in this particular measure. Uh, do you think the Fed has kind of has that in mind as well? They're saying, well, this is one measure of inflation, but in fact. Services might be where the real story is. Yeah. Well, also the Fed is looking at the uh, financial stability as well. You know, as, as, as you know, the uh, lending has been really weak in the U.S. as the financial condition is tightening. Uh, so people have been arguing that you know because the financial condition is tightening, therefore you don't have to hike rate that much. You know, to sort of uh, depress domestic inflation pressure. Uh, so you know. Each side has its own argument, and, and, and all sounds very valid. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, if you look at history, right, so every time the Fed hikes interest rates, we've always, almost always hiked, you know, when until when the real interest rate is positive. Right? So now it's still deeply negative uh, for the U.S. interest rate. If you look, if you look the Fed on the minus right? So it's still deeply negative. So I, that's why I say that um, that has a lot of work to do. Uh, yeah, Barry, we got 50 seconds to take us out. What do you, what do you think? Is the Fed looking at, at uh, hard goods versus services? And maybe you might want to throw in something. Yes, they are. And they do yeah. look at uh, various uh, measures of inflation. It's not just the consumer price index. They look at the the others that uh, are in the market. And, and I think they're – look, Hao Hong is right. There's more work to be done to bring down inflation, but you can't move any faster than what the Fed has done over the last 12 months. It's an almost unprecedented four percentage point rise. So I, I give the Fed a lot of credit on what they've accomplished so far. All right, uh, Barry, stick around. We're gonna have to. We're gonna go a little bit more in depth on uh, big U.S. issues uh, a little bit towards the end of the show. For now, we're gonna thank Hao Hong, chief economist at Grow Investment Group HK, and a Money Talk regular for joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, we did have a